mute us, they no longer listen to us, and we become irrelevant to them. And, and um, culturally, it's happened. We've, we've really been pushed off into the Sunday sort of situation. The culture has told us, society has said, we don't want you in our day-to-day lives any longer. You're not welcome in the public institutions. We don't want you around. Um, and uh, unfortunately, a lot of it is because we've, we, uh, we sort of lost our way along the journey, and we forgot how important it was to be grace-filled people that love well, and that in that process, we'll get opportunities then to present good news to people. And, you know, I, I said the reason I think that, that we get sometimes a little worried about that grace message is we, we think what we're doing is telling people that what they can do whatever they want, and that's not the heart of the message. When we really understand grace, when we get it, um, it, it doesn't cause us to want to go out and sin. In fact, it's the exact opposite. It makes us want to run closer to Jesus. And, and, and so this is the, the process that takes place as we move forward. So I want to talk some more today about this idea of being proclaimers and what that looks like and, and how we can make a difference. Uh, I always do something from the intro into the main part. How many tickles does it take to make an octopus laugh? Ten tickles. Ten tickles? No? That's all I got. Ten tickles. It'll grow on you, I think. I think it's... Scripture reading, Acts 5, 28 through 32. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. And blessed be the word of the Lord. First point in your notes, and this is, I love this thing, filled with your teaching. This is the first point. You're filled with your teaching. In the scripture reading that I just read you, the, um, the religious leaders of the day are upset with the apostles because people are coming to know Jesus all over the place. And, and uh, uh, they're frustrated and they're, they're not happy about any of it. And they've already um, arrested them before and told them, quit teaching about Jesus, just be quiet. And the apostles get together and pray and they say, well, we can't be quiet. This is what we're called to do. We're called to declare the praises of him who brought us out of light out of darkness into light. That's our purpose. That's our mission. We're going to have to go ahead and do that. And, and he, the, the high priest says, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. And I read that, and this is what I would love to hear. This is what I want to hear more than anything, uh, that whatever that looks like. You have filled the Florida Keys with your teaching. I would love for that to be said about, said about us. You have filled the Florida Keys with your teaching. I don't even care if they're upset when they say it. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be great? You have filled the Florida Keys with your teaching. And, and so what was the teaching they'd filled Jerusalem with? And, and, and so in the, gospel, in the book of Acts, here, here's what happens. The God of our fathers, Peter's saying this, raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. Uh, what I hope you hear in that is the good news, the gospel. 
It's just a, a Peter's way of phrasing it there in the process. And again, the good news, remember, and here it is in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 to 6. This is the, the simplest way I know that you, you can understand the good news, the gospel message. Paul said, what I received, I pass on to you of first importance. Christ died for our sins in accordance to the scripture. He was buried. He was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Then he appeared to Peter and the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. It's in those first few verses. Christ died for our sins, according to scriptures. He was buried. He was raised on the third day. And now sits at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. That's the heart of the gospel message. That's the good news. That's the part that you have to know. That's the, that's the part that people need to hear. See, when, when people hear that and respond to it, believe in their heart that, that Jesus was raised from the dead, that he did those things at the cross, and confess with their mouths that Jesus is Lord, that's how they go from darkness into light. That's the process. That's what they need to hear. That's what they need to respond to. That's the gospel message. I think we sometimes try and make it way more difficult than that, but that's the heart of it. That's what we have to communicate. There's ways to communicate it, and the reason I brought that that passage of Max in is that you see it being communicated slightly differently, but perfectly for the audience it was being delivered to. It's basically the same thing. You had him hung on a tree. He's kind of pushing that around so they can see that, but, but he defeated death, and he's, he's the one that pays for sin. This is the heart of the gospel message. This is what I need to make sure that that as we come out of this thing, rather than a system of here's what they, that you understand it so that depending on the circumstance and as you're led by the Spirit, you'll have ways to put words to it. And I've already encouraged you through this. You know, I've asked you to think about, well, why, why, you know, why do you put your hope in Jesus? What, what is there about him? Why is he special to you? I've asked you to start thinking about those things so that, and I remember I said one of those times, I said, look, why don't you think of a few verses even that tie into how precious Jesus is to you so when the opportunity comes, you'll have those sort of at hand and, and the Spirit of God can, can just quicken them to you to share with people. So it's, it's not like I, I want you to come up with a, with a you know, this is, the, this is it, step by step. I just want you to be aware of the heart of the message. What we need to convey to people is what Jesus did, that, that the, the gospel message. All of us have been separated from God because of our sin. Um, you know, that's n- not that hard to complain. People will at different places kind of really struggle with that. But the reality is, if you think about it, God's perfect. Once we've sinned one time, we're no longer perfect. We've we've cut ourselves off from a perfect holy God. Nothing that's out of perfection can exist with God. And really, if you you have a heart set for heaven, why would you want it to be any less? So we have this issue. And there's there's a separation that took place. And we we can't fix it. You can't be good enough. Once Once you're not perfect, you're not perfect. There needs to be something that takes place. And that's what Jesus is all about. He came and lived perfectly for us. And then he took that perfect life, willingly went to the cross... And, and died there, and what he did there, taking his perfect um, life, willingly going to the cross, fully God and fully man, it was enough to pay for all our mess, and that, that now when we accept that and believe in that, God no longer sees us in that mess, he sees us in Christ, and we can be restored and reconciled in relationship to him. That's at the heart of everything that we do, is to figure out how we can help people understand that and respond to it so they can come in to the kingdom. And, and how had they done it? You know, this is early on in the church. I mean, that's a big statement f- from the religious leaders. You have filled Jerusalem with your, filled it with your teaching. How had they filled it? And so the second thing you know, so is, uh, you need to understand this, is that they were empowered by the Spirit. 
They were empowered by the Holy Spirit. Acts 5.32, we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. To, to those of us who accept this good news and, and move from darkness into His light, into the kingdom of God, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to carry out this message. In fact, Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is saying, this is what's going to happen. You will receive power. The Holy Spirit's going to, and you will say, and the power is to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which they did very effectively in Judea and Samaria, which you're going to see them. They also do very effectively and to the ends of the earth, which shockingly they, they take, they take that on too. Now we're still in that process, but, but the Holy Spirit comes and empowers them to be witnesses to be witnesses. That's the, the Holy Spirit came for that purpose. Now, He, he gives us and he, he, and he leads us and He guides us and He, he has other, other ministries that He's doing, but, but He's doing all those things in, in order that we can fulfill this call to be the witnesses of the Lord. We're called to be the, that terminology, His witnesses. I said, you know, last week or two weeks ago, we talked about being His ambassadors as well. So we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to fill the Florida Keys with the good news, with the gospel message. That's what we're, we're called to. I have this thing I tell the young leaders when I meet with them. If you don't know, we have a great group of young leaders that I meet with, and uh, I started talking to them about this months ago. And, and I say this, and I, I, know I, I just let them think about this. I, I will say it and let you all think about this. The well-being of Christianity in the Florida Keys is in our hands. The well-being of Christianity in the Florida Keys is in our hands. And I say that I don't mean... I'm, certainly there's, there's other churches in it and there's other believers in it. And I'm not saying that they're not. I'm just saying that you have to take this on at that level, each one of us. The well-being of Christianity in the Florida Keys is in our hands. It's, it's, it's up to us. It's, it's on us. It's our mission. It's, it's uh, been entrusted to us by the church that's given it to us these last 2,000 years, who made it possible for us to be here today because of their taking on of this message and sharing it when they had opportunities and figuring out how they could do that, empowered by the Holy Spirit so that, that not only was Jerusalem filled with the teaching, so was Judea and Samaria, and so did it start throughout the world and continues on to this day. And see, here's the thing. I think it's fairly important in this process. It's the third thing. Third point, it's actually something the Apostle Paul says. But he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. He says that in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. I'm not ashamed of the gospel means good news because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes first for the Jew then for the Gentile so so Paul says he's he's not ashamed in fact he says something uh, earlier in those verses that's why I was talking about context uh, if you if, if you would read verses 14 and 15 Romans I'm going to read them to you verse 1 he, he says he, he's actually not is he not only not ashamed 
He's also under obligation, as he sees it, to tell other people about this good news. Romans 1, 14 and 15. I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and to the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. See, Paul is so aware of this amazing gift of life that he's been given that he actually feels an obligation to share good news with other people. He feels obligated to it because of all that Jesus had done for him. Because when he stepped back and realized the life that's been made possible to him in Christ, he, he sees pre-Christians and he feels an obligation to help them. He doesn't look at them uh, uh, you know, at the loss with contempt or with disdain, but he sees the beauty of their potential and he, he just wants desperately to share the gospel with them so that they can experience the life in Jesus they were created for as well. It, it, to Paul becomes an obligation. It, 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 it's, it's at the core of who he is. It's the heart of who he is. It's his heartbeat. You know, when you read about the apostle Paul, um, the, the people that he was in contact, they loved Paul. The people who, and, and pe- wherever Paul went, people came to Christ. And, and, and church, the church just flourished and grew and took off. And I mean, he had his detractors, don't get me wrong. Any, <laughs> people that didn't want in, they, they didn't like Paul at all. But the people who came in and were ministered to by Paul, when he encounters them in his other journeys, I mean, they, 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 just, they, they beg him not to leave. They, they, but don't leave, please don't leave. Just stay with us, stay here. They just hug on him and they, they, they cry when he's getting ready to go and, I mean, he, he has this huge impact and it's because they can sense his heart for them and in and, and the life that he has. And so he's experienced, Paul has the amazing grace of God and he wants to share it with others. But in Paul's day, you know, just like in ours, um, what we encounter is that, that many pre-Christians don't, don't want to hear. Greeks, non-Greeks, Paul calls them foolish and wise alike. They're often not interested in hearing about the love and the forgiveness and the mercy and the grace of God. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 1, 22 and 23. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. To many, the, the message that we bring, the gospel message, the good news the, that, that I've been telling you um, is just foolishness and they don't want to hear it. And, and they don't want you to share it. And what they often try and do is try and shame you into silence. Paul said, I'm not ashamed, but they, they try and use shame against us. Um, I hear all the things like this all the time. It's 2014. How can you believe in fairy tales like that? How, how can you believe in the book? That, how, how do you believe in a, in a book where it talks about fish swallowing people whole, spitting them back up? How can you believe about a book where people all got into a boat, animals of all types got there? How can you believe in a... It's 2014. Surely you don't believe in myths and fairy tales any longer. How can you believe that God actually came in the flesh? How can you believe that? What, what? And, and this list goes on and on. And what they're trying to do is shame you into silence by, by making themselves seem somehow. And, and it it's can be very effective. They, they can push your buttons. And, you know, we, we, uh, we don't want to be, um, you know, looked down upon. We don't, for the most part, we want to be accepted among, you know, people. We don't want to be... You know, and yet we have to understand they're just trying to shame you into silence to, to stop you from sharing in the process. And, and you th- well, how do you overcome that kind of shame then? What, what do you have to do? And, and what you have to do is understand this, that the reality is that there's only one way 
for sinners to be reconciled to a holy God. There's only one way. Jesus said it very clearly. John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The early church understood that. They, they say the same way. Acts 4.12 Salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Only the good news can bring spiritually dead people to life. Only Jesus can solve the separation that sin caused between us and a holy God. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Well, that seems, that seems awful intolerant. That's the big word nowadays. Well, that's just intolerant. You're, 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 you're intolerant. Seems, seems really arrogant to say only, only Jesus. Who do you think you are? You should be ashamed of yourself. Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes. I'm not ashamed. I'm obligated See, if we go silent, there's no hope for the lost. They, they, they mute us, but we have to keep loving them so they can hear us. If we go silent, there is no hope for the lost. There's no hope. There's, there's one way. It's not intolerant. It's not arrogant. It's not a myth. It's not. It's, it's what we're called to. It's, it's, it. This message that we have, it has to be balanced in, in a way that it, we can present it. It has to be presented lovingly. Um, it has to be filled with grace. That's why we talked about grace and the importance of it last week. If not, they just mute it. But it has to be presented with, in a way that matches our lives with some integrity. As people who are, who are just struggling this thing out and certainly haven't arrived yet in our own, but, but we, we're just, you know, we were, we were sick and broken and hurting and we met the cure. And, and, and he's, he's come and he's given us life now and forever and we want other people to know it as well. That we have to share that with people. It's, it's the heartbeat of all that we do. We're an interface between pre-Christians and the kingdom of God. The well-being of Christianity in the Florida Keys. It's in our hands. It's on us. There's not another plan. This is it. There's, no, there's not another option. This is the one. We're, 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 we're what it takes. And, and so, you know, I want this just to permeate with you and to think about this and all the things that we've talked about and the importance of, of what we're called to and, and the message that we have. And it's the power of God for salvation to bring people in life. That simple message, because of the action behind it and what Jesus did at the cross, is what brings people from darkness into light. And so, uh, again, just let these things kind of roll over uh, inside you this week and think about them and think about the, the thing that happens and, and how often people try to shame you into silence and, and that we, we just can't be shamed into silence. You know, we, we have to find a way to present so that we don't come off as being, you know, because you can, you can go in another direction and, and people aren't going to hear that either. We need to love people so well that they simply can't ignore us. They have to go, ah, I don't like all that stuff they talk about, but boy, you got to like those people. Ah, here we go. But something that just continually gives us that little door open that we can share this message, this amazing message of life and hope and love so that people can hear it and break past some of those barriers they've got.
in order to make the change they need to make to find life. So anyway, be, be thinking about that this week. And uh, I got some more stuff to talk about next week when it comes to that. I'm looking forward to that, but that's plenty for today. Uh, If you're watching on TV or on the video, thank you for spending time with us. We really do appreciate it. If you need prayer, go to the website. There's a prayer page. Go there, and we will pray for you, or you can call us, and we'll pray for you that way. Love to see you when you can come and be a part. God bless.